welcome. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting live. Finally. From, yes, <laughs> from UBC's Point Grey campus on the unceded ancestral and traditional squ- Squamish? Musqueam territory in Vancouver. <laughs> I do this every week. <laughs> Anyways, I am your host, Saida Unja, and I have Lua with me. Hello, everyone. Hello. It's so it's so good to be in the studio recording live. Right, right. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, so we have a wonderful show for you today. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start with a pre-recorded interview that Jade did. Um, and then afterwards, we'll likely go into an Adam PSA break. We'll see where life takes us. Um, and then we have shout outs afterwards. And after the shout outs, we will be talking about I, Claudia that was put on by the Arts Club and likely also the Polygon Gallery. Maybe yeah. we'll talk Polygon about it. Gallery. Yeah. So um, for now, I shall leave you with the interview. I hope you enjoy. And we created Art Downtown after the... Um, area in Paris, up in Montmartre, there's been for a few hundred years artists painting outdoors. There's a 10-year waiting list for artists to participate in that. So I thought that it'd be really nice if we had an area here in Vancouver where you could come and see artists making their work, just like we do have now, so you can come and watch them and learn different things from them. So that inspiration came from Paris. Hello everyone, Jade here. That was a sneak peek of the interview that I did with Lisa Wolfen. Following up on last episode's review of Art Downtown, I was so lucky that I got the opportunity to learn more about the Vancouver Visual Arts Foundation and how this organization came about and also what they are doing to change the art scene in Vancouver. So keep listening to hear the rest of the interview and enjoy. I'm the founder director of Vancouver Visual Art Foundation and Art Vancouver and some other programs that we do. Art Downtown is an outdoor summer program where we have different artists coming every week to two different locations downtown. One is at the Jack Pool Plaza and the other is at the Vancouver Art Gallery North Plaza. We have between 10 to 20 artists on site every time and a vast range of different art, you know, from paintings, uh, abstract, figurative, um, scenery, watercolors, acrylic, oil, mixed media, all kinds of different art from different artists, all over local artists. However, they may have come from other countries originally. They now live in the Vancouver Lower Mainland area or the islands, somewhere around here. Yeah, that's great. I um, actually, I really, really enjoyed. So the times, the few times I've been to Art Downtown, I really love that there's like a diversity of different medias and people that are there. And yeah, it's just a great place and welcoming space for everyone. Um, yes, it's, it is a welcoming space for everyone to come and enjoy and see the art. And all of the artists are creating on site. So you can come and watch them and see what it is they're doing and how they're doing it. And there's different techniques that everybody's doing. So you can learn something also. And we also have a hands-on station where you can come and try out some different art supplies, like the alcohol ink. And uh, there will be some other types of things, too, for people to try. 
Yeah, that's great. I tried some of the alcohol ink as well, and that was really fun. I really like that there is both the, you go there to look at the art, but then you also, there's also an encouragement to explore your own uh, creativity as well. Yes, exactly. And you can learn a lot from these artists watching what they're doing because some of them have taken years to develop their techniques. And so just standing there and watching them for a while and talking to them while you're there, you can learn some, some interesting things. So what was the inspiring event that led up to the founding of the organization? And Or let me put it in a different way. What led to the creation of the Vancouver Visual Art Foundation? Well, that is a very good question because it's developed over the years. Realizing that we in there's art fairs around the world, but there was no art fair in Vancouver. So I thought, well, we should have an art fair in Vancouver. So I looked into figuring out how to produce the show, spoke to many different people and some people that produce events at the convention center. So they helped us figure it out. Then we just started letting artists and galleries around the world know that we're now doing an international event. And from there it's grown and grown and people have come from all over the world to participate and to see the art. People come from all over to see what artists that we have here. Galleries come to search for new artists to represent. And then from that show, we started adding things to the show, like a painting competition called Art Masters, which we will have on August 13th at the Jack Poole Plaza at 12 o'clock, where eight artists will compete. They'll be given a theme and a box of art things to use, no paintbrushes, and they'll have one hour to create a masterpiece, and then the audience will vote for the winner. We have sponsors that give us prizes for the winners. So that is Art Masters. Then we have Art Talks, where artists speak about their journey to becoming a full-time artist. And we created Art Downtown after the um, area in Paris, up in Montmartre. There's been, for a few hundred years, artists painting outdoors. There's a 10-year waiting list for artists to participate in that. So I thought that it'd be really nice if we had an area here in Vancouver where you could come and see artists making their work, just like we do have now, so you can come and watch them and learn different things from them. So that inspiration came from Paris. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm glad that you've given me the backstory and like where you actually got the inspiration from, because I agree, we definitely need more of Paris and Vancouver. Yeah, because you can't really just go and watch artists paint. And, and meet them you don't know where to find them and this way it's a community event where you can just come and watch for a while yeah. I learn a lot of things personally watching them and talking to them and asking them hey how'd you do that then I go home and I experiment and my work has evolved over the years by learning from different artists on what they did and what materials they used things I never even had tried before or things I actually had but didn't know what to do with them yeah it's a great space for like learning um like especially if you're also an artist if you want to you know learn new things learn new techniques this is the place that you should definitely like spend some of your summer and also we're, we're open to having any artists participate we love to have a variety in different artists all the time so that people can come and meet more different artists I, I really, really appreciate the like community aspect of it because it is a growing community of people who um, can meet each other. It's uh, both social and artistic. 
Yes, very much so. There a lot of people meet, and even the volunteers. We created the slogan "Uniting Nations Through Art." As mm -hmm. over the years, our、um, volunteers have come from all over the world, and then they meet through the arts. Then they become friends, and they hang out and can stay in contact for many years. I think that's great, especially considering the year that we've all had. I feel like more people need to, like, see each other and like. Feel like they're they belong to a community and not just like feel isolated anymore. Yeah, we're very lucky that we were allowed to go forward with this event, considering there's nothing really else allowed to happen at this time. Things are getting more open, but we're very lucky that we're allowed to host this event in a public space and have public come and visit and see. And it's a very big open area, so everybody feels comfortable. Nobody's crowded. They don't have to stand too close to the artist,、mm. and it's a big, giant area. Yeah, that's great. So it's safe for everyone, and yeah, the, everybody's comfort levels are respected, which is great. So, what do you hope, like, the outcome of this event is going to be for、uh, the Vancouver public? Well, we're hoping more people come down and see the arts, and more people come and more artists come and participate. Did you find that there were any difficulties when it came to coming up with this event, or did everything was everything smooth sailing? Well, luckily enough, everything was smooth sailing, and we're very lucky to be able to do this. We work with the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. We met them through Art Vancouver as their sponsor of the event. I mentioned to them about creating an outdoor space like Montmartre in Paris, and we discussed where we could possibly do it. And they helped get permits, and we just went forward with it. We we're very lucky that it wasn't stopped. We also did it last summer in the beginning of COVID.、Mm. We were the only live event going on in the city, and I think we are still the only live event at the moment. However, more things are coming back to life, which is really great. So, do you have any? Hopes or goals for any future events,、um, other than the ones that you already have going on. Well, we're hoping that we do get to host Art Vancouver again in May 2022,、mm -hmm. as long as everything is opening back up in the world and we can have international travelers come back. That would be wonderful. We always are developing new programs. We created online art classes, which have been going really great. All year last year through COVID,、um, different artists are teaching online, so everyone's safely in their home, and it's been great. Two hours, you have a beautiful painting, and there's many different techniques and styles that we're offering, and that's been really fun. I've been taking almost all of the classes and learning so much, just even different colors that I may not have used before or mixed together before. Just so many little things that you learn from someone. There's always some little diamond in the rough that I find、yeah. during the classes. So we don't ever know what else we may come up with. But as the world changes, things develop and grow, and we're always open to creating new events. Yeah, amazing.、Um, so this is our final question.、Um, is there anything you'd like to communicate to the public about?、Uh, Just like, is there any information or vital information that you would need the public to know? Artists are all welcome to part participate. They can go to our website at Vancouver Visual Art Foundation. It's vanvap.com. 
click on the Art Downtown page and they can register. And if anyone would like to participate in Art Vancouver, that's another website, artvancouver.net. Or come down and visit us on Tuesdays at the Vancouver Art Gallery or Wednesday and Friday at the Jack Poole Plaza behind the Olympic Cauldron from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. until the end of September. Hello! Welcome back. We're back. We hope you liked that interview. <laughs> okay, so before we get into our um, Adam PSA break, let's let's look at take a look at our shoutouts, shall we? So our by the way, just wanna put it out there that because we're in the studio and because COVID is still very much of a thing, both Lua and I are wearing masks. So if our voices sound a little more muffled than usual, that is why. But you know. For the safety of others, um, that's what we should be doing. So, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what Sarah said. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's start off with the Arts Club. So, as you might know, the Arts Club, just like every other theater, had to cancel their season during lockdown. And their new season for the upcoming year will kick off um, at the Stanley Theater. And they're going to have five shows, and four of those five shows are actually can't shows that were canceled last year. <gasps> so, are they bringing Kinky Boots back? I, I'm actually not sure about that, but <laughs> we can... <laughs> we can um, so I will get to that information very quickly. <laughs> so if there were any shows that you missed last year that you couldn't see, but you wanted to, you will be able to see them this year, which is really exciting. Also, you can get um, a season's pass for basically to see all of the shows. You won't need to pay you know, individual tickets for every one of them. And the season's pass ranges from $153 to $468. So... They're going to be kicking off the season with the Canadian premiere of Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Car Carol, which is a um, musical adapted from A Christmas Carol. Um, but um, with Dolly Parton songs? <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> and then, I mean, everything Dolly Parton is amazing, so I I'm know, sure right? that's going to be great. She's an icon. <laughs> I was this is very like unrelated but I was I'm planning on getting a hamster and Lo was like what are you gonna name your hamster I'm like I might name it Dolly Parton <laughs> you know why not okay are you ready to hear the four yeah I'm ready I'm yes. ready so the four other shows are Made in Italy a musical coming of age in the 1970s Alberta okay. Kim's Convenience the Canadian comedy phenomenon heard that's really good yes the Kink in My Hair, a resident musical celebration of women of color, and... Kinky Boots? Yes, Kinky Boots! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so ready for Kinky Boots. Yes. So they're all musicals. Um, no. So Kinky Boots is a musical. Kinky Boots, Made in Italy is a musical, Um, but then... Dolly Parton Kim's one Convenience, is, oh, that's Kim not Kim's a musical. Oh, Kim's not a musical, that yeah. one's just a, a yeah. comedy. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I no, mean, I'm happy. I mean, I think it's time musicals made a comeback. I think so too. Give us all of the musicals, please. <laughs> We've been begging it. Yes, exactly. For a while. <laughs> Ever since, like, we saw the sound of music, we loved it. We talked about it. You can find that on the website. All of the shows are already there. And then ever since then, we're like, we want more musicals. Just give us all of them. 
Yeah, and they usually do have at least one musical per yeah, season. They do. But three musicals that's, in a one season is a lot. And I mean, I'm not mad about it. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm yeah. very happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm really happy they are bringing Kinky Boots back, especially oh God, because yes. in the beginning of quarantine, when they canceled it, they did put a lot of content mm-hmm. online, like behind the scenes, people practicing, like yeah. the actors and actresses um, rehearsing. And there was this one particular video the, um, of the lead actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically doing like one of the songs through his house Ooh. basically was like you know like a Vo- Vogue 73 questions yeah. style <laughs> of like walking around the house but singing one of the main yeah. songs so it was pretty cool and so I'm really excited I wonder if they're going to bring back the original like the cast that they had last year is going to be a new so. co- cast I feel like well first of all it would be easier to bring back the old cast because of rehearsal purposes yeah but secondly, it would be so exciting. Imagine being cast in Kinky Boots and then COVID hits and you can't do it. And then you, you now get, you're you going to be able to do it. Yeah, that would so, be so exciting. Uh, so the five different plays and that season is going until next year? Or That's the, from when to when? From when to when? Yeah. So That's when a good the... question. Um, so I'll give you all of the dates right now. So Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol is November 18th. That's the full name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, November 18th to January 2nd. Okay. And then Made in Italy is January 13th to February 13th. And then Kim's Convenience is February 24th to March 27th. The Kink in My Hair is April 14th to May 15th. And Kinky Boots is June 9th to July 31st. Amazing. And also, I did mention this before, but Arts Club has audio plays. They produced audio plays during lockdown. So you can still um, enjoy enjoy most of them. Yeah. So most of them are still available. Go check them out. So like one thing about lockdown, even though it was awful and I hated it, (laughs) audio plays and radio plays become such a bigger thing, which I really like. And if you have never experienced an audio play, they're really, really fascinating um, to me. So uh, for those of you that don't remember, I feel that I talked about this a lot, <laughs> but like I'm a media studies yes. <laughs> uh, bachelor. And so we do a lot of studies of like media and new things that came in and like how people reacted to mm-hmm. like different types of media. And there was this, oh, man, what's it called? I can't even remember what the name was. Um, but there was this one audio play. Mm-hmm that was like on broadcast radio yeah um but they didn't warn everyone that it was a play that it was like not real what do you mean and it started with a broadcast saying like aliens have invaded the earth oh so people thought that and was people like an thought actual that thing. that was happening oh, and it was God. like it was like chaos and I just think yeah. it was so fascinating how people reacted to that because the thing is with audio plays yeah that. I feel because of our generation has become such a visual, such an incredibly visual generation, which is fine. You know, like I'm all for visual stuff, but there is a tactile, like there's like this tactile quality that sound has Mm -hmm. that um, when you add the layer of visuals, it kind of removes some of that focus on the audio. And I think everyone should experience an an audio play or an audio like fictional podcast storytelling. Yeah. Because it just feels so raw and it feels you're 
really in there yes. with all the characters and more so than watching exactly and like you could be listening to it like walking down the street and you're in a different world in there so i also have a recommendation <laughs> um this is all again we so i interviewed uh two of the actors that did an audio play way back uh, this winter so you can search up they did a audio play of little women and oh you told me about that yeah it's really good it's on spotify every episode is out so you can listen to it it's called by far from the tree productions and it's little woman check it out it's really good and with that let's go into our adam psa break and after we will be back with uh more shout outs Red Cap Records is an amazing artist-owned and operated record store. Shop from their diverse online music collection and get free shipping within Vancouver and the Lower Mainland with the purchase of two or more LPs. If you would like to further support them through the evolving COVID-19 crisis, you can do so by buying a gift card to use at a later date. Visit www.redcat.ca for more information. TransCare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming client-centered models of service, ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community. Hello. Oh, I was like, are we back? Okay, yes, we are. We are back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> welcome back. Um, okay, so let's, before we get into our reviews, let's get into our other shout outs. <laughs> A very short one is I'm going back to our past episodes again. Eva interviewed a local Vancouver band called Far Haven. Uh, and their music is wonderful. I listen to them like every day. <laughs> and, <laughs> perfect. And they're having a show tomorrow. So Thursday, August 5th at the Diced Culinary how do you pronounce the word? I don't know. What's the word? Culinary? Can... Like culinary school? Oh, culinary school. Culinary? Culinary. <laughs> culinary, right? When you put two international <laughs> students together. Culinary. Culinary? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're playing a show at Diced Culinary Center in Jericho. They're playing at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. So go check them out. Uh, go show them some love. It's amazing. They're amazing. Okay. So our next shout out is... <laughs> what? Nothing. I just the, the jump and transition. <laughs> I'm always like, okay. I feel like you're so excited right now that you're like, you're not even breathing. You're just like, I am here doing the show. I am ready. I am going. Exactly. <laughs> I never want to leave the studio. <laughs> Okay, so next up, the Vancouver International Films Festival, um, AAP Music and Film Summit, and its third annual free professional developmental program. That is, that is the VIF, so that's the Vancouver International Film Festival, VIF Talent Accelerator uh, program. It's going to be running October 8th to 10th um, with the VIF's anniversary edition on October 1st and 11th. So the Talent Accelerator program 
is currently seeking applications from emerging creatives from across Canada, from BIPOC and other underrepresented communities. Applications close August 8th, which is in four days. So if you want to apply, um, <laughs> get into it. And so the Accelerator provides exclusive mentorship and learning opportunities, including free access to the VIF AMP Music and Film Summit. And on the AMP program this year, they're having the multi-platinum record producer and songwriter Hall of Fame inductee Linda Perry and five-time Emmy-winning composer Laura Cartman as the opening and closing keynote speakers. So this is, it sounds like a wonderful opportunity. So make sure you go check it out. You can find it at govif.org forward slash AMP dash talent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> okay. And our last shout out of the day is for Music on Main. They're warmly welcoming audiences back to live venue performances on August 14th. This will be at the Vancouver Playhouse, which is in downtown Vancouver. So it's really easy to get to. Doors open at 7 p.m. and concert at 7.30 p.m. Who, who's the first concert that they're having there? the wait <laughs> i was i like slowly read through all of the things and i'm like you, you're asking me questions i'm like wait wait i haven't gone there yet <laughs> gotta keep things interesting <laughs> yes that's true so uh, um music on main and the microcosmos quartet they're presenting the kazar academy 2021 at the vancouver playhouse um so it's I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's music. <laughs> what more could you say? It, it's their first live audience back. And the tickets are, I believe, $15, which is pretty good. So if you want to listen to some live music, uh, check out the Music on Main and the Microcosmos Quartet in uh, the Vancouver Playhouse. You can find tickets online. And yeah. I, I say go for it. Oh, again, it's on August uh, August 14th. But yeah, that's all our that's all of our shout outs today. So now it is time to get into our reviews. Of I reviews. Should we start do with you I wanna, Claudia? I was just about to ask that. What do you want to do? Do you want to? I think we should start with I Claudia because I feel that the I Claudia is the more spicy. The spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, Claudia, is Arts Club's current play that they're presenting at the BMO Center in Olympic Village. It's their first in-person show back after the lockdown, which I was really excited about. And I mean, Lua was excited about it, too. Yeah. I don't know what to <laughs> I mean, the, the Arts Club never, we have never seen a bad show. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, from the Arts Club. So, like, you already know it's going to be good and it's going to be worth your time. Yes, exactly. Um, it's more about, is it the style you're looking for? Mm -hmm. Is it, like, yeah, the play approach you're looking for? Yeah, so <laughs> because it's COVID, just like every um, play that they produced before uh, the theater shut down, this play is also a one-person show. Uh, so every character is played by a single actress on the stage. And... 
Where do you want to start? Do you want to start by how good she was, or do you want to start by <laughs> <laughs> about my mixed feelings about yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, do you want to give us uh, like the synopsis yeah. slash the plot? Yeah, I'll I'll give you guys a a little, you know. So, I Claudia is a one-person show. However, it's not a one-character show. (laughs) And I think it's really fascinating because they have several different characters and they wear these really beautiful masks Mm -hmm. to transition between characters and different clothes and different... And honestly, like, I was absolutely sold that these were all different people coming into the stage. Shout out to the mask (laughs) designer, Melody Anderson, by the way. They did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely stunning work. Yes. Um, And so I, Claudia, I feel that it's kind of like a slice of life mm-hmm. kind of play you it's not necessarily like a full complete plot but you kind of get a little sneak peek into the life of this young girl she's probably 12 or 13 yeah um 12 13 yeah and she's going through you know besides puberty and being in school and mm-hmm. trying to be popular or like at least not the not popular girl uh, she's also going through her parents' divorce. Yes. And um, she has some really funny ways of dealing with things. Mm-hmm. She's a very, very <laughs> energetic girl. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but um, it's very obvious throughout the entire play that she's really struggling with her emotions. She's really struggling on how to, w- how to fuel and how to act with her emotions. She yeah. doesn't really know what to do with them. It also feels that she has a really complicated relationship with both her parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately, like, it's a play that does have a lot of funny moments. Yep. Um, But I wouldn't say it's a comedy. Yeah, it's not like we were laughing the entire time. No. It was more (laughs) of there were funny times that we were laughing. Yeah, if anything, I'd say it's more like a a drama comedy or a Mm -hmm. comedy drama. Ma-ish. Yeah, it's definitely like a kind of like coming of age slice slice yeah. of life story. Yeah. Um, that just, yeah, I don't. So, <laughs> so <let's>... ultimately, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings yes. about it. <laughs> so let's start with why we have mixed feelings. Uh, first of all, the good parts. We thought it was good because the actress did a phenomenal job, and she, just like Lua said, you actually believed that those were different characters stepping on stage of course the masks helped with that but i think but it was a complete change in personality complete change in movements complete change in posture and the voice too like everything was different by the way the actress was uh lily bodwan so um just to let you know who it is and so uh, we thought that she did a really really good job um she also adapted really well. Like she was using these juice boxes on stage and then she oh. stepped on it accidentally and it, and like, it squirted yeah. into an audience member. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that was on purpose. It was so funny. And then like, because the juice box was on the floor, she kept stepping on it. And then at one point she was talking about like how rebellious she is because, you know, it's puberty. Teens go to a rebellious stage. She was like, she accidentally stepped on it again. And then she looked at back and like stepped Step. on it, like knowingly. She was like, look what I did there. <laughs> it fit in perfectly. And we were like, this is really good. Adapting on stage. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, her performance was really incredible. Um I think one-person one, per- one person shows are always really, really challenging yes. 
to hold on an audience's attention for an hour and a half yes. by yourself is exactly and it's really tough it's, and she, she it's does one act there's yeah. no curtain like, 90 minutes exactly one act and she does hold your attention throughout the yes. entire thing exactly. there isn't a moment where you're like oh um, let me look at this other thing yeah. over there like no she absolutely captures um all of it like she captures your attention fully uh even with the transition of characters because mm-hmm. the transition of characters the stage is never empty the transition always happened right stage, in front of your yeah. eyes like she's turns your back to the turns her back to the audience and switches her masks and switches her clothes and there's like some dancing and there's like mm-hmm. some some things to keep the transition interesting um but it happens right then and there and um i think it's always incredible like the moment she turns around it's a completely different person that i was like oh yeah this person left this person is not here <laughs> exactly and also what i liked uh that they did is that they used like a it wasn't like a mirror, but it was a mirror. It acted as a mirror, and then it had storage in the bottom. So you could also, like, they used it, the mirror, both as a prop and also in the segues as, like, a mm-hmm. functional thing, which I thought was really genius. And, um, yeah, also the set design. Set design was beautiful. So it was really an interesting setting. Mm-hmm. So the play is set mostly and i say mostly because some of the other locations aren't really explained Mm -hmm. or explicit um you kind of infer that they're somewhere else because the set doesn't change but the set itself is set in the basement of claudia's school it's the boiler room the boiler room (laughs) in the basement of claudia's school which is where she goes to kind of get rid of some of her rage yeah because whenever she's upset she goes there and she's just like lets it all out so so what happens is like she spends uh, Mondays with her dad since her parents are divorced and so Tuesday mornings she goes to the boiler room to like because she's really upset because it's yeah. the worst day in the world <laughs> exactly because she her dad is her best friend and so it's a difficult transition and also like let's not give away too much but like she does use the boiler room for other purposes yeah. also um, <laughs> very comedic purposes too yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah it's set in there but as lua said like the setting kind of changes like for example uh for some other characters you are in like a club i guess like the or is it an office Lisa? party or Ma- something i feel like it was a convention right so like a convention party let's say you know but you could you understood that it, they weren't in the boiler room you know even though the physical set it didn't change the setting changed yeah. i don't know if that makes sense yeah <laughs> I, I think i hope it does in my head it does but i also yeah. know what you're talking about is it because you've seen it <laughs> And so the play itself, very entertaining, um, absolutely worth the, the watch. Um, Do you want to talk about? Yeah, wait, I'm getting yeah, there. Okay. <laughs> cool. I thought it sounded like you were wrapping no, no, it no. up. And I'm like, this no. is me wrapping it up for the, 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 po- the really positive stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, yeah, so the play itself, very entertaining, really fun to watch. Um, wasn't what I expected. Actually, I don't know what I expected, mm-hmm. but I feel that part of me was kind of expecting a, I want to be laughing throughout this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that kind of play, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I think it just kind of broke some of what I thought mm-hmm. was going to happen. And so to transition into the thing, the aspect of the play that for me is the reason that I have mixed feelings about it is um, the play itself like the actual script script, like the actual 
yeah. yeah not the performance all the elements yeah. that come with direction and that come with like on top of the actual playwright like the actual yeah. script so yeah the production itself by the arts club was really good uh the kind of parts that we're unsure about come from the script itself yeah yeah because at the end of the day for me it just felt it that it lacked something yeah i can't pinpoint exactly what it was lacking but it felt lacking i yeah. feel that even in a slice of life um yes slice of life plays and stories don't usually have a very clear plot they do have some sort of arc and i feel that it was a little bit lost with i claudia especially in the end where things kind of just felt yeah incomplete what they felt that they started and ended yeah. at the exact same spot i think it felt like there was definitely a climax of the the story but there was no resolution it's like it didn't go ha- anywhere finish like yeah it kind of ended and we were like oh okay i guess this is the end okay cool <laughs> no we applaud and so even though yes there was an ending it was like not really an ending per se i don't know how to really explain that but like as lewis said it kind of felt unfinished it didn't feel like a a very complete story and some of the reasons is because you know we left the theater with a bunch of questions in our minds which is not the best if it's not that type of play like if it's a philosophical play yeah <laughs> you're like of course you're gonna leave with questions in your mind you know but the questions we had for i claudia was more of why did that happen what's gonna happen next and how does that work so for but not ex- in a oh i'm curious and yeah. I, I got that itch to kind of like watch more and yeah. i'm like oh that was <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting is the right <laughs> word. <laughs> so, like, for example, what we both taught was that, um, so one of the characters was Claudia's grandfather. And I personally kind of zoned out during the grandfather's section. And um, I feel like maybe instead of that bringing in that character it would have been better to bring in the dad itself because mm-hmm. she talks so much about her dad and you like we never get to see him exactly we get to see her grandfather and uh, the stepmother and the the janitor in but the school we, yeah we don't see her parents ever yeah which i don't i'm not mad at i think it's an interesting yeah, choice definitely but at the same time as like the grandfather figure he felt a little bit out of place yeah um he didn't further the story very clearly he gave some context background yeah but there was this one scene and then he was gone yeah it was so for example like the stepmother i forgot her name lisa i don't think it's i lisa. don't i don't remember what it was i don't remember either anyways <laughs> so the stepmother basically she like comes in and out like she isn't seen only once we see her multiple times and she actually does add to the story and you understand and but the grandfather came in only once and then as lewis said didn't really further the story that much gave more of a backstory i would say which is like it's good because like it tied in with the what happened at the end but also at the same time 
It was I a feel completely like, like B plot line. That yeah, could have done in a the A plot line was barely developed, and then you shouldn't yeah. really include a B, B plot line. Yeah, could have been done in a different way, maybe. Yeah, like I'm not mad about the the playwright not including the actual mom herself. I didn't really feel compelled to hear the mom's story, but I wanted to hear the dad's story because, like Claudia, beginning of the show, she says that. Her she worships dad, she, she, she worships, worships her him. dad. She is like my dad is my best friend, which is why Tuesday mornings are the worst day in my life. Like and we don't get to see how good of a person and their relationship, you know? That's just <laughs> That's that's my thought. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, Claudia was definitely an interesting play. I think if you're looking for um, entertainment, it's it's definitely entertaining. Oh, for sure. It's, I d- it's like, definitely entertaining. Yeah. It has funny moments. It has some like deeper moments. It has like it has a little bit of everything. And yeah. I think that's kind of like one of its really great redeeming qualities, even if like it the, did yeah. have lacking moments. Yeah. Um, but overall. <laughs> here it's okay so here are my ending thoughts for <laughs> yeah. for uh, yes. claudia is it a play that i enjoyed seeing absolutely yes um was it entertaining yes, yes. would i watch it again no, no. <laughs> um i think there are many plays that the art club puts on that i'm like i would watch this a second a third and yeah. a fourth time exactly and for me i claudia watching it once was, was enough, enough. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to watch I, Claudia once and then <laughs> stick with that one time, you can see it until August 15th at the BMO, uh, well, at the new month stage at the BMO Theater Center, which is, again, in Olympic Village. And you can get your tickets online at artsclub.com. Uh, just to let you know, uh, like, COVID precautions are in order, so there are no, like, in, like, physical oh. copies of like uh the what do you call it like like the... playbill but make it for not broadway and for <laughs> so i was gonna say playbill but it's not yeah. playbill. Um... so like the program the program yes, yes the program exactly and it is uh recommended that you wear a mask so keep that in mind but yeah so let's quickly get On a, yeah and it's a great date like go to Olympic Village like have some early exactly. dinner that's what and we then did. go oh, that's what we did it was yeah. great <laughs> also um just to let you know I realized this after we were done with dinner but Nook that is basically right next to the theater they if you have tickets for the show they give you a discount on oh, your I don't dinner know that. yeah cool. next time we will do that next yeah time. <laughs> so if you want to do what we did have an early dinner get a drink and like chill before the show uh you can definitely do that and don't forget to ask for the discount because yeah if you go to they're the... not gonna know if you have the tickets or not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but how about we get into our uh adam psa and afterwards Sounds we will be good. talking about the polygon gallery slice of life art and gift shop is vancouver's choicest destination for one-of-a-kind artists made prints posters screen prints riso prints paintings acrylic paintings watercolor paintings ceramic mugs ceramic plates ceramic bowls ceramic pots lapel pins hats toques crochet bathing suits jewelry trinkets knickknacks hand-painted signs curated thrift and a bunch more stuff that won't fit in this designated block of airtime. Slice of Life Art and Gift Shop, located at 1636 Venables, just off commercial. 
open 11 to 6, six days a week. I'm Karen Saxena, and you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM broadcasting from the unceded land of the Musqueam people from UBC's Point Grey campus in Vancouver. This is Forgotten British Columbia, a series on the history of the province that has been erased and those that have been forgotten. Today, we're going to talk about Hogan's Alley. A brief content warning, this episode contends with the displacement of black communities in Vancouver, institutionalized anti-black racism, and police brutality. So for those who might find it distressing, you might want to come back to 101.9 in a few minutes. Others, we encourage you to listen. There has been a black community in Vancouver since before there was a Vancouver, said Wade Compton, a Vancouver-born writer who co-founded the Hogan's Alley Memorial Project in 2006. Hogan's Alley was the neighborhood of the downtown east side by Strathcona that was home for many immigrants, but mostly black people. A black community had established itself at the T-shaped intersection, being so close to the Great Northern Railway Station, employing many black men as porters. This was a thriving community of working-class black Canadians, which then fell prey to urban rezoning for the Georgia Viaduct Replacement Project in the 60s. Being the subject of debate about its status as a slum since 1929, the city of Vancouver did not deem Hogan's Alley as a residential area. Hogan's Alley was a T-shaped alley. The north-south part ran parallel to Main Street, and then it teed right where the Georgia Viaduct is. So from Main all the way to Jackson Avenue, between uh, Union Street on the north side and Pryor on the south. Hogan's Alley was not a black-only neighborhood at all. It was where Italians in Vancouver traced their origins to as well, and it was right on the edge of Chinatown. But it did have a cluster of black businesses and institutions in the church that were significant to the black community and some residential areas. When a working-class immigrant space like Hogan's Alley was regarded as a place mired with social ills, people had different ways of dealing with it. For Hogan's Alley, it was urban reform. Vancouver has accepted the challenge knowing that to build a better city requires only the industry and ingenuity of man. Urban reform started to decimate communities across North America in the 60s and 70s, specifically poor and communities of color, under the guise of improving city life. Neighborhoods like Hogan's Alley started being talked about as diseases, often using the terms mold and blight to refer to them. Most of Vancouver is kept strong and healthy through the normal process of land and building renewal. But in areas such as this, nothing happens except dilapidation and decay gets worse each year. Property values fall, and blight is the result. All questions about the Georgia Viaduct project were hidden from the public. A social planner from UBC, Leonard C. Marsh, recommended in a proposal to the city that the Strathcona district, including Hogan's Alley, which, Marsh called a slum, be completely destroyed and redeveloped. 
North American obsession around car culture began to force freeways. But of course, the freeways would not dare be built close to powerful neighborhoods. Cities began enacting urban reform with slum clearance in black communities in Chinatowns, both of which were under attack in Vancouver. Before the city began expropriations, most of the black families had left the area. After the viaduct projects had wiped out most of Hogan's Alley by 1967, community opposition stopped the remaining parts of the plan, saving Chinatown. For black Canadians, Hogan's Alley was more than a neighborhood. It was their community, a place where they found home when the rest of the city was unwelcoming towards them. In fact, the first black church in Vancouver was founded by Nora Hendricks, the grandmother of the famous musician Jimi Hendrix. Black churches, juke joints, famous businesses like Bice Chicken and Steakhouse, and the Pullman Porters Club, all demolished for an elevated highway. In a CBC interview in June 2020, Stephanie Allen, the co-founding board member of the Hogan's Alley Society, said that black Canadians did not find community again like they did in Hogan's Alley. This was out of fear of being displaced again, out of fear that they would be over-policed and racially targeted, which Allen called survival mechanism. Hogan's Alley Society says that city councillors should understand the importance of a cultural enclave that black Canadians need and how these spaces are not meant for private profit that the city should commit to a community land trust and not just make hollow statements on anti-black racism after the killings of DeAndre Campbell, Regis Korchinski-Paquette, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and Ahmaud Arbery. For Allen, a community land trust would mean 70% below market rent and 30% market rent with no private ownership. She says that this is merely to ensure housing for people to have joys in their lives, all the while addressing homelessness, racism, the unjust criminalization of poverty, and over-policing of black people. A community land trust is a way to put the community members in control a little bit of their destiny, to have a say, and to really prevent that kind of gentrification or displacement that has impacted so many lower-income and black communities. Canada might have seen a significant shift in its zoning schemes, but the policies still target immigrants, refugees, and low-income folks. Zoning projects like the one demolishing Hogan's Alley punish the working class by limiting their ability to find affordable housing, let alone home ownership in the real estate fiasco of Canada. You'd think that we've come to a point where housing would be regarded as a human right, but that's still a far-fetched utopian concept, or so they say. Meanwhile, the aftermath of such atrocities will be ongoing through the loss of culture, community, safety, solidarity, and a place to call home. As advocates and activists continue to fight for reparations, for those that were harmed by such systemically racist policies, which were meant to displace and dispossess people, we should continue to counter the narrative that Canada has ever been better than other countries that were built upon genocide, especially when it comes to the settler colonial governance structures of Canada. Such a thought process is dangerous and revisionist in nature, and only ensures a pathway for history to repeat itself, something that advocates like Wade Compton have actively tried to combat. Today's episode was written and edited by me, Karan Saxena. It was co-produced by Hena Imam and Karan Saxena. The music for Forgotten British Columbia is produced by Kronfused. You can also listen to the show online by visiting citr.ca and looking up Forgotten British Columbia. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, we're back after 
seven minutes. Sometimes I'm like, I have really strong opinions about housing and just listening to this, yeah. that short podcast reminded me of all my strong opinions mm-hmm. and how all of Vancouver's policies around surrounding housing and zoning are extremely racist. Yeah, we were talking about this when we were on, like, going to the C-Bus to go to the Polygon. So I I can, like... There, yeah. uh, agree that Lua <laughs> have strong opinions yes well again but like rightfully all, so they, these zoning laws that have existed they haven't changed in 50 years and yeah. they all stem from racism oh yeah um so that's fun so, <laughs> so fun. fun wow oh my god um but you know i think the city is starting to change mm-hmm. um and i'm excited to see where vancouver is going to be at five years from now yeah uh Hopefully, it'll be in a better place. Uh, it is a good, or at least a more affordable place. Great city, but exactly the housing crisis is very real, and it really needs to be way, way affordable. But back to the arts. But back to the arts. So talking about the Polygon. (laughs) So the Polygon Gallery is a gallery located uh, in North Vancouver. You can. Right at the Lonsdale Key. Key. <laughs> I pronounce it as K. <laughs> I always pronounce it as Quay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you take the C bus, you will be right there. Um, it's very easy to get to. But, yeah, so we saw two exhibitions at the Polygon, first of all. Actually, three. Three? Three. Which one was the third So one? they have, they had three going on. Yeah. Now they have two and the new one is opening next week. Oh. So uh, we, there, the three exhibitions that were happening uh, was inter- inf- Interior in- Infinite. Yes. Oh God. That, that Interior <laughs> Infinite. Yes. Also, just a quick, again, I interviewed the curator uh, of Interior Infinite. So if you want to know more about it, you can go to our website. Also, we're again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So you can check out the episode there too if you want to go before uh, if you want to listen to it before going and have some more information on the exhibition definitely do so but yeah and then the, the second one we saw i think i should pronounce it's because it's from by a turkish artist who resides in vancouver his name is daria akai and the exhibition was called maidan and then the third one was a lingering shadow which is a compilation of multiple short films oh yeah. yeah okay 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 that makes a lot of sense so because we only watched two of the short films but yes. like in total duration it's like 85 yeah. minutes total oh my god okay but we watched two for yeah. about like 10 yeah. minutes yeah we did i'm just gonna like quickly talk about maidan if that's okay with mm-hmm. you very quickly so because as you might know i am turkish and <laughs> seeing <laughs> seeing a turkish artist have an exhibition about turkey well it wasn't like about food about turkey but it was <laughs> so maidan means like a uh what would you call like robson square like an open you know uh like a marketplace yeah like a marketplace basically yeah they sell a bunch of stuff they sell in maidan's they sell flowers food i don't know whatever you can imagine and so he basically brought the turkish maidan's live with, with this exhibition and it was so much fun going through it uh, here in vancouver because i'm like oh my god this is what we get. oh my god this is 
<laughs> I love this food. Oh, wow. We pickle everything. And I was just like talking about turkey. <laughs> and I was like, next summer, next yes. summer, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. And it was really good. It unfortunately closed. We actually catched it on its on last, last day, day, which was really lucky. But yeah. And I bought a like a book he wrote about his residency, which is really interesting. And yeah, um, I wish I could say go check it out if you want to know more about the Turkish culture, but you can't right now. But you can I'm always, sure they, always Google it. They do still have stuff about it on there. The, the the Polygon's website still has information about it, so definitely check it out. But yeah, so moving yeah, on. Yeah, well, wait, no, no, no. I want to talk about the Turkish exhibition more yes i want to say what i thought about it. <laughs> oh i just didn't think you had any thoughts about it because it's so foreign to you <laughs> that's me, exactly why i have uh, thoughts about it that is very true for me it was just like a, sl- a piece of home i was so happy to be there i was um i was fascinating uh not because of the actual market because i feel that the market feels very home to me too but mm-hmm. like in a different aspect of it right yeah Uh, like a different approach to it i think the way he brought it in with like the because not everything was like fully alive right like the fruit was kind of rotting yeah uh the flowers were obviously dead like dried yeah and i think that's kind of like discrepancy between the gallery space and like the real the not so perfect uh is always a fascinating contrast for me and uh you could always he had um some of the food you could just take yeah. right like there were oh, signs yeah. that was like, like the take the food take the lettuce yeah. take the onions exactly uh which was pretty cool so like, you could go to a gallery visit and do some grocery <laughs> shopping exactly. it's two in one <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> uh good times uh and so <laughs> The other... um, Interior Infinite? Interior Infinite. Yes, Interior Infinite is on until September, so you have plenty of time to see it. Um, This is an exhibition that was... It kind of draws on the spirit of Carnival. They actually... The curator was originally going to name it Carnival, but then he was like, well, it's not really about Carnival. And so he changed the name to Interior Infinite, which is... uh, at in f- like taken from a text by um, Mikhail Bakhtin. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but yeah, you you can hear more about it in our interview. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. and they also have on their uh, website the curator's talk, yes. where the curator goes piece by piece that is present in the exhibition, uh, describing why mm-hmm. they were chosen and why they're there. Yeah. Uh, overall, this exhibit was really really interesting i Mm -hmm. loved there wasn't a single work that i was like "Mm, this feels out of place all of them were really well thought out and really told this like interior infinite story like it was personalized and it was like an insight into either the artist themselves Mm -hmm. or like how to present your own individuality through outside medium so like makeup clothing yeah it's all about identity Mm -hmm. you know what is an identity and who what like who are you and And so it yeah yeah no no to me like that's really fascinating it's part of my work too like working with identity working with the body Mm -hmm. like that is something that i am particularly really interested in uh something one question that i consistently come back to in my work is like are we our bodies or do we exist in our bodies yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
Oh, let's not get into that right now, maybe. <laughs> and I think like it did touch on some of that of like, yeah. oh. uh, who am I within society? But who am I? How I present myself to society? Mm-hmm. Um, there were two, vid- three video works. No, four video works. Two. Yeah, there was the the listen to the rain one. There was the the pinup, yeah, pin up, yes, and then the floating woman, yes, and then also the one that you loved, the sticky uh, one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are gonna make sense if you go. Well, see if you go it. see it, it yeah. totally makes sense what we're yeah. talking about. Um, all of them were really interesting. Uh, two of my favorites were oh there's also sculptural work so it it is a mixture of photography yes. there is a lot of uh, video in there. and yeah. sculpture work which i think is really cool yeah uh the polygon gallery if you haven't been to it is a beautiful gallery like it's worth going there just for the gallery itself yeah but um one of my favorite works i think was the video work it's like a longer film it's 55 minutes obviously we didn't sit there and watch the entire thing mm-hmm. uh but it was just a really fascinating combination of um first nations origin stories Mm -hmm. with um incredible underwater footage Mm -hmm. and really interesting editing that mixed um clips of playing around like people playing in water and like actual marine animals Mm -hmm. and um editing that kind of like distorted all the colors yeah and i think i just thought it was fascinating to watch it was kind of like almost like a trance like yeah experience especially because of the repetition of the sound i thought it was fascinating and that was one of my favorite pieces yeah i think so too in like the beginning the reason i said like listen to the rain one is because the artist was repeating listen to the rain with like the rain sound in the background and it might seem like at first when you hear it it might seem like very you know eh, okay but then when you're actually there and you're listening to it and you're seeing the visuals too it's so encapsulating and like in my head i'm like you know i was so inspired to like i don't know (laughs) go out in the rain and actually listen (laughs) Listen to to the the rain rain. (laughs) and like create uh uh like a you know like a dance out of it like a choreography i think which would be incredible so i need the rain to come back for that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah for me personally my favorite i think was the sound suit by um nick cave the sound suits are nick cave's uh most famous artwork uh and they are called sound suits because they make sounds when they're moving it's basically a suit it's the one that had a bunch of buttons on it oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was so i, I my was my first thoughts when it. i saw it was like oh man someone sewed yeah. in all those buttons it took it must have taken so long to sew all of just imagine tiny buttons everywhere not a single spot left on, on a like a suit yeah full yeah suit. full suit that's crazy but yeah it was it was really good yeah there was also work by dana claxton mm-hmm. um if you she had an exhibition at the vag if you missed that uh some of the there it wasn't a photography series it's the same series but it wasn't the same photos that were exhibited at the vag mm-hmm. so that's interesting if you uh missed the vag one and you want to kind of like take a look at Dana Claxton's yeah. work uh she is also being presented there at the polygon mm-hmm. also just to uh if you're curious the artists that are featured are Lacey Burning, Claude Cahoon, Nick Cave, Charles Campbell, Dana Claxton, Martine 
Gatera. I, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Anyways, Chris Lemsalu, Ursula Mayer, Meryl McMaster, Zanel Muholi, Aida Mulune, Zach Ove, Skina Fries, Yinka Shonibare. I am butchering these names. <laughs> Sinwai Kin, Karen May Weems, and Zadie Za. So, yeah. And then, do you want to talk a little bit about A Lingering Shadow? Yeah, and so A Lingering Shadow ultimately, um, or like finally from what's exhibited right now, mm-hmm. is a collection of short films. Um, they are all being presented in the one of the side galleries as like in a single screen on a loop, multiple of them, yeah. for, like one after the other. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Yeah. different ones. And uh, some of them deal with um, Canadian history and mm-hmm. like um, like identity surrounding the Canadian history. Uh, some of the, them deal with like broader topics. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we watched, we, we ended watched up uh, Orbita, like the last parts of Orbita, and Susada was here. here. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed Orbita visually. I think Mm -hmm. it was... I was really confused. I didn't know what was going on, but I really enjoyed it visually. (laughs) I love that. It didn't have like a... a, a, I mean, I don't know. We caught it halfway, so maybe it did have a plot and we just missed it. Um, But I just thought it was really cool visually. It had... um, So it was captured through a round lens. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It was just like really interesting to see a film that wasn't a square, that wasn't a rectangle. Yeah. It was presented in a circular format and it was just really fascinating to see that approach. Yeah. That, so that's why I thought it was visually interesting, but I had no idea what yeah. was going on. And then Susada was here. I thought it was oh, really sorry. good. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to, um, Susada was here. I was going to talk about that one. Um, I thought that one was really good because it incorporated like movement, let's say, like mm-hmm. dance, not really dance dance, but like there was a lot of movement yeah, the and way like repetitions and all of that jazz. And I really enjoyed that. And I think it gave a like an element of uniqueness. Yeah, it. the way it was described in the synopsis was like a choreographed mm-hmm. um a choreographed dance. I think that's how they phrased it. Yeah. <laughs> um and it did feel not necessarily a dance, but it did feel like it was definitely choreographed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was but very yeah. interesting. Um, I I don't know. I just it was all women, mm-hmm. all books, yeah. women, tea, things, all things that I like. Yeah. And again, not a specific plot, not exactly like yeah. a story that is being told, but at the same time, there is an underlying story being told. Yes. Also, um, you just got to pay attention to it. <laughs> exactly. Just to let you know, A Lingering Shadow is being shown for nine more days. So if you want to catch the short movies, uh, catch it quick. You have nine days. <laughs> I mean, instead of going for one movie, why not yeah. go for seven? <laughs> exactly. It's 85 minutes. Just sit down. There's AC in there. So oh, you're going to be nice. fine. Yeah, the it's AC, AC was and amazing. it's dark. So it's okay. like oh, if you're trying exactly. to <laughs> yeah, get away from the heat. It's perfect. <laughs> but yeah, also Interior Infinite is on until September. So you have plenty of time to see it. But yeah. Any yep. any last words about the polygon or the polygon about anything? is by donation. Oh yes. Uh, so it's they have a suggested price suggested again suggested mm-hmm. of ten dollars, but you know it is by donation. You can donate as much or as little as you like, and 
it's just a great gallery. Again, it make is. it a date. Go there. Exactly. Go to the Lonsdale Key. Ha- grab some food. Yep. Then go to the gallery or do the opposite, you know? Yeah. Enjoy it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful place. But yeah, so that's our show for today. Our first wow, live show is I'm back so in a year. <laughs> Me too. And very soon we'll be back here every week. Oh my God, yes. Because the term is about to start. We're going to be back in our weekly grind. It's going to be amazing. And I'm so excited. But yeah. So okay. this has S- been the Arts Report on CHR 101.9 FM with... Uh, Lua, and oh, you don't want me to say your name too? No, I oh. was expecting you to say your last name too. Oh, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how we were just like looking at each other. <laughs> I'm Lua Prezij. <laughs> and I'm sad owned. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. But it's Yeah.